we see the story of Jesus going to the cross and everything seems to kind of be hand in hand. And then there's this one character that seems to interrupt the narrative. His name's Barabbas. We don't even know much about him except that he's a murderer, a leader of an insurrection, a rebel. And why he's even mentioned, sometimes I'm not so sure. It's like, what? Let's, this is about Jesus going to the cross. So in this moment, Pilate thinks, I hold the destinies of these two men in my hand. I know the Jews have a tradition that on a holy day, I will release one of the prisoners on death row. Pilate stands on this audacious stage who now presents Jesus, son of the living God, versus Barabbas, the thug and rebel. He says, all right, who do you want? This is blasphemy. This is this has gone too far. There's no comparison. This is a rightful prisoner, a man who should be on death row. He's a rebel against Rome. He leads a, a rebellion. He murders people. He's a bad man. He's a thug and he's a crook. He deserves the chains and he deserves the crucifixion. Jesus, what has he done but heal, restore? deliver, set free, open blind eyes, open deaf ears, heal the lame and the leper. What what has Jesus done? Who do you want? We we want Barabbas. Yeah. Give us Barabbas. They give us Barabbas. The Roman soldiers come up and they put the key in and they unlock Barabbas from his chains and shackles. And he walks down the platform, welcomed by all of his thug friends. Yeah, the people love me. Yeah, that's right. I don't even know who this Jesus guy is, but all I know is my people love me. There seems to be no conscience of Barabbas. There's no record of him turning to Jesus and saying, I owe you everything now, or you have set me free. No, I don't see any of that in Barabbas. God knew that. Jesus stood there, silent, for he knew the will of the Father. He said, it's fine, Father. Let him have Barabbas. For Jesus knew that the Father would have to treat Jesus like Barabbas so he could treat Barabbas like Jesus. Barabbas thought it was the people that set him free. No, 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 no. It was the love of the Heavenly Father. but now that I'm in this deep, dark place of bondage, 
I'm gonna work hard to get myself out. What? That's the opposite of the gospel. Are you bound? Are you held under the power of this temptation, this sin? Do you feel like it's controlling you? What are you gonna do? I'm gonna shake myself free. Stop it! No, you won't! You're no match for the powers of hell and the urges of sin will not overcome it and you will never overcome it. You'll just be another statistic. There's no answer within yourself. Your own marriage, your own goodness, your own discipline, your own devotion will not save your marriage and will not save your kids. There's only one. And he's the one that took your place. He's the one that stood silently on the platform with Pilate and said, yes, let him have Barabbas. Take me. How many times have I stood on that platform with Pilate and Jesus and I'm the Barabbas and they start to take my chains off and I say, no, no, I deserve this. I deserve the guilt. I deserve the shame. I deserve the consequence. I deserve it. Jesus seems to look at me and say, no, son, let me have it. Let me have your sin. Let me have your pain. No, God, I did it to myself. I deserve it. My marriage won't make it. This is what I deserve. I deserve divorce. I deserve poverty. I deserve sickness. I deserve it all. No. So shame, give me your shame. But God, what if I do it again? I'll still be here. Oh God, I don't want to hurt you. I love you. I, I don't want to do this anymore. Give me your sins. This is all we got. It's all I got. It's all you got. We can play games, we can play church games. We can pretend like some people are better than others and that's why they're blessed. Or we can all come to the honest conclusion that it's God and it's God alone. The greatest challenge is not your discipline, your devotion, your focus. Your greatest challenge is believe in the gospel. Could it be that there's a God with a love so scandalous so wide, so deep, so fast, so high, so expansive, so welcoming, so inclusive. Let me have your sin, son. Okay. When I give him my sin, I stand in this empty space of forgiveness and acceptance while Jesus walks off to the cross that I deserve. I see him, I see him walking to the post to be whipped. As I stand a free man, all the attention is turned now. And I feel the love of God saying, go son, live your life. I'll pay the price. Where did we get off thinking that we were gonna set ourselves free? It's still Jesus. It'll always be Jesus. It'll never stop being the power of Jesus. If his blood is sufficient for your salvation, his blood is 
sufficient to sustain you through every challenge and every sin and every temptation. Jesus is enough. There's nothing more powerful than the message of the gospel. And I, I, uh, I've watched this video a number of times, and, and there's one thing that stands out to me um, in this monologue, and it's, it's the statement that is made that says, Jesus knew that the Father would have to treat Jesus like Barabbas so he could treat Barabbas like Jesus. And you have to think about that for a moment, but that in itself is the message of the gospel. He chose, while we were yet sinners, the Bible says, to embrace that, take on the pain and the wrongdoings that we've committed, to pay the ultimate price so that you and I could go free. And today's all about worship. It's called encounter because there is nothing that that engages us with our creator like when worship comes from our heart. And if you don't understand what worship means or what it is, we've been breaking it apart for the last couple of weeks, but, but really in a nutshell, what we just saw on the screen is the story of the gospel. And, and worship is what comes out of us when we realize that there was a savior that chose to take our guilt, our shame, our sickness, our weakness, our, our inability to break our own addictions, our, our inability to keep our marriage put together, our inability to, to, to be self-disciplined, our inability to do good, our inability to be righteous, our inability to be holy, our inability to just get out of our own way, our inabilities, our inadequacies, our struggles, our failures, our weaknesses, our problems, our issues, our volumes, whatever it is. He chose to take all of that. The Bible says it's a great scripture, and, and I think it captures, it captures the essence of what Jesus represents when it says that despising the shame of the cross, I think that's pretty clear, right? It means he did not like it. It was, it was painful. It was, it, was, it was shameful. It was disgraceful. But despising that, in spite of that, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. What is the joy that's set before him? The joy that is set before him is the fact that his creation is redeemed. The fact that he can once again connect with the people that he created. The people that, that was, were created in his own image and his design. That's what the beauty of the cross is all about. And because he knew that there was something greater on the other side. Because he knew that there would once again be able to have this communion with us. He endured that so that you and I could live in freedom. And there is no greater freedom than to know that Jesus Christ paid for your sins and for my sins. And the reason why we're talking about worship through the month of, of May is because we're just simply setting aside the fact that every one of us in this room, you don't have to go very far in your memory bank to realize that if there wasn't someone watching over you, anybody got one of those moments, right? There is someone watching over you. There is your heavenly father who is calling you, redeeming you, reaching for you, loving you in spite of your condition, in spite of where you may be. So the beauty of the gospel, the beauty of the message of hope, and the reason why we're talking about worship is because when you begin to understand and realize what Christ has really done for you, 
Worship is not something you conjure up. Worship is not something you try to figure out if you can do it or not. Worship is something that flows out of you. Right? There was a moment in scripture where Jesus was sitting with some religious people and they were having lunch or dinner or whatever. And a woman makes her way in through the crowd. Whenever Jesus was around, there were always, you know, windows open, doors open, people peering through the windows to listen to what he was saying, to watch what was going on. He's in a, he's in a religious leader's house. This, this guy was well known in the community. This woman makes her way through the crowd. I think she slipped in. I don't think they realized it until it was too late. She gets on her feet and on her knees at Jesus' feet. She begins to weep. And her tears, the Bible said, poured on his feet. And she used her hair to dry his feet. It's very odd, right? It's kind of a weird, like, whoa, that's a little strange. And so the people in the room are like, what is going on? What is happening right now? And Jesus, the Bible says, perceiving their thoughts. He was God after all, right? Perceiving their thoughts, he asked a simple question. He said, if you forgive someone who has a great debt to you, or you forgive someone who just has a small debt to you, which one do you think will love most? Well, that's kind of a simple answer, right? The one who is forgiven a greater debt. And so that was the answer Jesus received. And he gently touches the lady on the shoulder and says, don't condemn her because you don't understand what she's been forgiven from. Every one of us in this room, every one of us in this room have been forgiven much. There's not one of us in this room that can that can look at our life and can say, you know what? I've been a great person. I haven't really done anything wrong. I don't really need a savior. I don't need anyone to forgive me. I haven't done anything wrong. Well, denial is not a river in Egypt. Just say that. (laughs) We have to be honest with ourselves and realize that we do need a savior because in ourselves. We're weak. In ourself, we struggle. The message of the gospel is hope. And the reason why we worship is because we've recognized that hope. The reason why we talk about worship is because we've experienced that hope. The reason why we've set aside today to just lift up praise and worship to God is because we recognize that we have been in dark places in our lives and we will probably face them again, but we do not have to face them alone. We have a savior. We have an advocate. We have someone that will walk through that with us. It's paid the price for us and he's given us hope. There's a hashtag that we have right now in this series. It's hashtag. It's made for this. We're made for this. When you begin to realize what Christ did for you, worship just flows out of you. I like the way the scripture says it. It says, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. Uh, That's just a depiction. It's a word picture. It's a phrase. It helps you recognize. Imagine someone who just has joy just radiating from them. That is what worship is for us. We were made for this. We were created for this because we've experienced hope. We've experienced freedom. We've experienced the joy of having our sins washed away. And I'm here to tell you today, (coughs) if you don't know Jesus like that, you do not have to miss another moment of your 